Hello and welcome to this edition of the PHBC Pastors Podcast, where we seek to bring biblical and pastoral insight to everyday issues for the people of PHBC. I'm Brian. Yes, you are. And I'm Brian. Indeed you are. Today, we're going to be talking about everybody's favorite subject, politics. So the 2020 election season is fully underway. We're in the thick of primaries. Uh, only a handful of months before the presidential election, so I thought it might be helpful to discuss this just ever-present, non-stop subject. And so, uh, to get things started, I've, I've heard more and more recently that politics has become America's new religion. And so I want to ask you, do you, do you see any truth to that statement? And if so, h- how does that work out in the daily lives of our people? So I do see some truth in that in the sense that people, both people who are quote-unquote religious people as well as non-religious people, look to politics as a savior figure, a messiah figure. And so if we just get the right man or woman elected, if the right party holds power, then everything is going to be wonderful in our world. That's just a, that's a very dangerous position to be in, particularly for the Christian, because uh, for the Christian, obviously, we're, we're not counting on any political party or any politician to be our savior. We already have a savior. Indeed, we do. So let's, let's lock into that. What, what might a Christian approach to politics look like? So, so give me some indicators and some ideas, just as what does coming at this subject from a Christian perspective look like? So as a Christian, I think you should be aware. So we'll, we'll, you, you mentioned the, past, the presidential election happening. So generally speaking, there are only two primary candidates, if you will. They're, they're always lesser known candidates, but it's, it's typically a, a choice between one or the other. And so I, th- I think you ought to be familiar with these candidates with their uh, positions on various issues, uh, both social issues as well as economic issues, um, international issues, you ought to be at least have some familiarity with that, and and then you ought to prayerfully consider how you're going to cast your ballot. I think a Christian should vote. I don't know that I would go so far as to say uh, some people will, but I don't know that I would go so far as to say it's sinful not to vote. Uh, but I would say you're not you're certainly not exercising your uh, duty as a citizen to vote and I think it's helpful for Christians to vote even though again we recognize that as we cast our ballot we're not casting it for a savior we're casting it for an individual that we think is best going to serve the needs of either so if we're voting on a local level they're going to serve the needs of our county um, or our state or perhaps even the nation. So I'm, I'm hearing that on the one side, we want to avoid just head in the sand, cover our ears, cover our eyes, and just 
ignore everything, but on the other side, we also want to avoid becoming so wrapped up in the hype and in everything that, you know, we live and die as this particular candidate lives and dies. We want to find that nice middle ground where we are informed, we're aware, we're performing our, our duties, but not so wrapped up that it consumes us. Is that is that accurate? That would be accurate, yes. All right. Um, other, uh, so let's get into some scripture. First uh, Timothy 2, 1 to 2, first of then, or first of all then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. So each Sunday morning, you in uh, our pastoral prayer will lead us in praying for one of the branches of government from the local to the national. Uh, what is so important about praying for our elected officials? Well, as you just read, we're commanded to pray for them. And so during my pastoral prayer, I, I want to model for our people some of the things that we should be praying for. Now that's of course not the only thing we have to be praying for and if you've been with us on Sunday morning you know we pray for a lot of different things on Sunday morning but this is certainly one of the things we have to be praying for and I regularly pray for example that they have wisdom to execute their office. I'm not praying for one person because he's a Republican or he's a Democrat. I'm praying for him because or her because they hold an elected office and I'm praying that they would have wisdom to, to occupy that office and serve that office well. Uh, and so prayer, I believe, changes things. Uh, Proverbs says you know, that, that the Lord channels the, 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 the heart of the king uh, wherever he wishes. And so I, I believe it's important for us to pray for our elected officials that God give them wisdom, even if... Frankly, even if they don't know, so suppose it's an, uh, a non-Christian um, official and they say, I don't want your prayers. Well, I'm going to pray for them anyways because I believe that God can channel their heart where he wishes in the same way that God used pagan kings in the Old Testament to accomplish his purposes. So let's pick up on that theme of, of authorities and God. So, so one of the most comprehensive passages on this subject is Romans 13. So I'm, I'm going to read a chunk of it, and then let's take a few minutes to dive into what that might look like in application today. So here's Romans 13, starting in verse 1. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is an authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval, for he is God's servant for your good. So, the Apostle Paul goes on, but we'll, we'll stop it there. What does that look like in application today? So, obviously, Paul's governing authorities were different than our governing authorities. So, do you see direct overlap? Do you see some? How, what does it look like to apply this to us today? Well, we, we, we should remember that Paul's not writing this in a context of Christian bliss and Christian governing authority. Christianity is at this time is an outlawed religion, and, and the, he's ultimately going to die at the hands of 
of one of the uh, Roman emperors. And so, nevertheless, he's asking us that we should be subject to those in governing authorities uh, who are over us. I, I think our culture has been rapidly devolving uh, with respect to authority. And we see this I, very profoundly in the current administration. As soon as uh, President Trump was elected, for example, we, I, I heard a lot of people say, well, he's not my president. He's not my president. And, and I would always just very calmly ask, are you an American citizen? Well, yes, I'm an American citizen. I said, well, then he's your president. Now, whether you like him or not, and we're not going to get into the fact that I, I'm who, who I voted for or anything, that's not important. Um, just as, so Trump's predecessor was a Democrat, uh, Obama, and he was my president. And now Trump is the president and he's my president. It's, it's, I don't have the choice, if you will, of saying he is or he's not my president. He is my president. Therefore, um, I, wish, I wish him good. I wish him well. I want to pray for him because I am in authority under him. And so as the president, he has a certain amount of authority in our country. And so therefore, I want to pray for him. I want to pray that, again, that he has wisdom to execute his office well. And so, and that would hold true, for example, all the way down to, you know, one of our church members is the mayor of the local town here. And praise God that we have a, a Christian young man who's a mayor of a town. But we want to pray for that, for that brother, that he has wisdom to execute his office well. I appreciate that. That's a, a helpful word. Um, Paul also picks up here on this idea of, of doing what is good. So in light of the political landscape, uh, we are to pursue what is good. Uh, thoughts on, on what that might look like for us today in terms of doing good in a society in our country? So doing good, so I would say you want you want to pursue those things that, that um, would be pleasing to Christ, pursue those things that would commend the gospel. And so suppose there's legislation, for example, that's pending and on the state level, on the local level, or even on a national level. And what are, you, what are we to do? You might think, well, I don't vote on the legislation. And no, you don't. You've already you voted on somebody who is going to vote on the legislation. So would it be wrong for me as a Christian then to contact my local uh, representative or what have you and say, hey, this is how I feel about that. No, it's not at all wrong today. Matter of fact, I would encourage you to do that, to contact your local representative and say, I feel very strongly about that. I'm one of your constituents and I feel very strongly about that and this is why I feel this way. And contact him or her. Um, and now ultimately, he or she, your, your representative, is they're an independent person so they can vote however they feel. But as a Christian, you want to do what's good so you pursue those things that, that would honor Christ. And so if, the, if there's a piece of legislation, for example, that you think would dishonor Christ or dishonor the gospel, then you might want to oppose it. Or if there's a piece of legislation you believe would be helpful, then you would want to be a proponent for that piece of legislation. So that would be one example uh, of pursuing what is good. That, that's helpful. So there, there's a lot that we can get into in Romans 13, and to our audience, I, I commend it to you that you, you take time to read through it, meditate on it, that God would speak to you through his word. Um, but let's shift gears a bit and ask um, a bit more of a hot-button question. So, uh, Pastor Brian, can Christians vote Democrat? Can Christians vote Republican? Or 
Are we free to make choices between those two parties? Or is it true that one party is the party of the Lord? <laughs> yes. Somebody wrote a book, I believe. It was, it, it was I think, titled, maybe, maybe I'm wrong. It was titled, Was Jesus a Democrat or, or a Republican? I'm, I might be just making that up, but it seems like it's sticking in my mind uh, somewhere. Uh, so to answer the question, you know, was Jesus a Democrat? Was he a Republican? That's not exactly what you asked, but I want, that's the way I'll I kept, approach it. I don't think Jesus was either a Democrat or a Republican. And so if he were living today in the 21st century here in the United States, I don't believe that he would be necessarily registered with either party. I think there are some, there are some good things that happen on both sides of the aisle. There are some, some policy initiatives that, that Democrats want to pursue. Some of those things are very good. Uh, there are some things that Republicans want to pursue, and some of those things are very, very good as well. But likewise, there are things that I believe that for on both sides of the issue, both sides of the aisle, rather, that don't commend the gospel. They don't, they're just, they're not things as a Christian that you'd want to support. And so, um, you have to, sometimes you have to to make a decision when you're when you're voting, uh, Democrat Republican, you have to uh, sometimes choose that which is going to do the least harm, and and that's that's a matter of wisdom. And so there there you want to pray not for your elected official, but there you want to pray for yourself as you're considering the alternatives, considering okay should I vote for this individual or for that individual? Uh, you're sometimes you have to ask yourself what's going to do the least harm. And so as we interact with those um, who might be more closely aligned with the other party. Uh, any, any words on how we should interact with them? It can be easy to vilify, to paint with a broad brush, and to be quite uh, divisive and hurtful in our words. So um, just words of wisdom for us as we live in this polarized landscape of politics. Yeah, there, there's way too much divisiveness that goes on, particularly among Christians. And we, although I have, in the last several years, I have withdrawn considerably from social media. I, I do occasionally go on social media, and I so like once a month or so I get on social media. And just some of the things that I hear and well read Christians saying on social media, I find to be really unhelpful to, that we ought to recognize so whether we, we agree with them politically, whether we agree with the same issues they, they have, we recognize that that is an individual created in the image of God. And because they're created in the image of God, they have dignity and they have worth as, an, as a human being. And so it's okay to disagree over issues. It's okay to say, no, I do not. So for me, for example, the cause of life. So the, I am staunchly pro-life, and and I am just I, I, I can't I can't I am I don't know if I could be any more pro-life than I am. I'm very very pro-life, but even for somebody who is then say pro-choice on the issue of abortion, I recognize that individual as somebody who's created in the image of God, and I would pray that God would change their heart. And so I would vehemently disagree with a stance that they would take against or for abortion. 
but I would at the same time I wouldn't denigrate them as an individual uh, because because they have dignity and they have worth. If I'm pro-life, then I'm pro-life everybody, not just the ones that I agree with. Mm. That's that's a helpful word. Uh, so as we begin to wrap up, if I wanted to pursue the subject more and, and think about it well, are there any books that you would recommend? Um, so certainly we want to consult scripture first and most frequently, um, but uh, other works that, that you found helpful in trying to navigate these waters? Uh, several several books would be helpful. Uh, so from a non-religious, so a, non, so a completely secular source, there's a book called The Righteous Mind uh, by John Haight yep. uh, is, a, is a good book to, to consider. Uh, from a Christian, from, so then from the opposite side, from a completely Christian perspective, a fantastic book is called Let the Nations Rage by Jonathan Lehman is a really, really good book to help you think through some of the different issues as a Christian. Um, and then from one of our current politicians, so the senator from Nebraska, Ben Sass, S-A-S-S-E, um, uh, wrote a fantastic book called Them, T-H-E-M, Them. And it is a wonderful uh, book that helps that where we don't, as the title might suggest, it's, it's not us versus them. We, we, are, we are citizens of the same country and we need to learn how to, to respect one another and to dialogue with one another. Indeed we do. May God give us the grace to do that. So that'll uh, wrap up our time for today's discussion on politics. Uh, Thank you for listening. If there are other subjects that you would like us to discuss, if you are interested in hearing biblical and pastoral insight on something that you've got going on in your life, uh, we are all ears. So by all means, reach out to us, let us know. Um, But for now, thank you for listening. And this has been the PHBC Pastors Podcast.